Tonight is Wednesday, November 8, 2017. The title of tonight's message is Offensive Convictions. Offensive Convictions. Turn with me to Psalm 118, and we're going to get going in the Word tonight. Psalm 118, we started off on Sunday. We got to watch uh, have, and have a send-off service with the Brasso family. Uh, it was our pleasure and honor as pastors, and some of you guys were able to come to the airport to see them off. Uh, they'll be back sometime in January, about mid-January, but they are there now in Arequipa. They will soon be in Chivai in the next few days. And uh, please keep them in your prayers. This is what we do as a church. Amen? About 13 months ago, we were sending the Vincents. I wonder what this next year is going to look like as we continue forward. Psalm 118 is one of the passages that, were, that was referenced on Sunday. It says in verse 22, are you there with me? There. Hey, everybody look up this way. Hey, we're family, right? Yes. Y'all with me? Yes. You're going to want to be with me. I promise. We even have some nice pretty music for you right there. Verse 22 says this, The stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Everybody say marvelous. marvelous. Come on, sometimes we just forget how marvelous this is. We get our heads, we put our heads down, and we're just working. We're trying to make it through certain things. I want to remind us today, there are some marvelous things that the Lord is doing in our midst. There are some marvelous things that He's doing in our hearts. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us... That was a good time for you to get excited, but that's all right. We're going to try it again. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us and be glad in it. This is one of those kind of days. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 16. We're going to talk about this capstone, this cornerstone that has been laid in Matthew chapter 16. As you know, as many of you know, the pastors had an opportunity to visit Israel. It's my first trip to Israel. I know some of you have gone. I'm trying to catch up with you. And we had an incredible time. We're gonna sh- I'm going to show you a few pictures here in a, in a minute, but as it relates to this passage of Scripture. Matthew chapter 16, and we're going to start in verse 13. Say there when you're there. there. It says this, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, He asked His disciples a question. He said, Who do people say the Son of Man is? I want to start off by saying... Let's talk about the region of Caesarea Philippi. Uh, where was Jesus Christ born? Everybody just got tense there. All of a sudden they're like, I think we know this one. You're all correct. Good job. Everybody's like, uh, it's not Christmas time yet. I don't know if I remember this. Jesus was in fact born in Bethlehem. Where was Jesus raised? Man, you guys are batting a thousand percent right now. He was raised in Nazareth. Where did he do his ministry? Capernaum. In Capernaum. Um, In Mark chapter 2, verse 1, it says this. You don't need to turn there. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. Well, don't you like that phrase, get to come home? Whenever it's time and you get to come home, there's something special about it. Jesus was doing ministry in Capernaum. Let Let me show you a few pictures. This is, uh, we were right there on the Sea of Galilee. The northern part of the Sea of Galilee is Capernaum, which is where we were. This is a picture that's right there. It looks like, uh, looks like God is shining upon us, shining His glory down. Let's do the next picture. Capernaum was a simple fishing village. 
Um, here you see some, some of the relics that were still there. You can see our crew on the other side of this. Let's go on to the next picture. Anybody know what that is right there in the center of your screen? <laughs> Encouragement to treat your children well. Why does pastor say that? Because if you get in the way of one of these little ones from entering in the kingdom, he said it's better that, that you have a millstone hung around your neck. Goodness gracious, doesn't that put on a different... This is not a Flavor Flav clock that you're going to have around you. I don't, I don't even know what y'all are talking about. You're going to have a millstone hung around your neck and you're going to be thrown into the, to the sea. Well, that's a pretty serious statement, isn't it? When you're seeing this, some of the original uh, relics that they had here in this area. These are, these are fishermen. That first picture that you had out by the water, there's a rocky bank that's there that we went and sat out upon, that we were thinking about what the Lord was doing here. The men that must have been coming in in their fishing boats and laying out their nets and, and mending the nets. This is a small town. This is a, just a... Just a small town boy, right? Just a small town crowd that was there. And now they're going to go into a different place. Let's show, let's show a different picture. They're going to go all the way to Caesarea Philippi. This is a, a cave, a cavern, a, a grotto that is there. And while we were there, it was dry, but it had once had uh, a natural spring that rushed through it. It filtered through this, and then on down, you can see right at the bottom of your picture, there's some uh, small levees, small walls that are there. And the water would run down and it's really kind of part of the beginning of the Jordan River that we have here. Let's go to the next picture. Yeah, this is actually Pastor Eric walking up to it with us. This is the same picture but just a little bit closer. Many of you may know this already. This grotto here is called the Gates of Hades. This is what they considered the very gates of hell here. And some of the most unspeakable things had happened. Why am I trying to set up this picture for you? We're about to read something here. And these were small town fishermen. Used to getting out on the water of the Sea of Galilee. How many of you guys like to fish? Anybody in here? Yeah. Like to just get out and go fishing a little bit. Just get out there and they made their livelihood by doing this. Then they traveled to a big city. Let's show the next picture. This is an artist's rendition. It's on a plaque there at Caesarea Philippi. You enter in and you walk up to this plaque. This is what the area looked like during Jesus' day. It's one thing to see a cave, a grotto there now and understand that it was called the gates of hell. But you see on the left, there was a temple. There was idolatry going on in every way. And what would happen is in the back of this temple, right where that grotto is, that opening behind there on the left of your screen, is where they would, uh, it's basically the abortion mills of their day. They would throw babies into the water and see if their gods would accept their sacrifice. And Jesus walks up to it. He, he enters the region of Caesarea Philippi. You see others to, to other gods, to Zeus, to Pan, to the nymphs, to all kind of demonic powers that are there. This is the area that Jesus brought His disciples. These small town guys, and they walked up to it. it the comparison is beyond taking you from Port Aransas to Las Vegas. But let me, let me set it up that way for you. Just some small town guys, they had, been, they had been with Jesus. They were walking around. 
They were, they were falling in love with everything that, that, about who he was. They were learning from him in every way possible. And what does Jesus do? He takes them to a seat of demonic power. He takes them and walks them right up to the edge of this. And in Matthew 16, this is the context of what we're in. He takes them to this, and what does he say? What does he ask them? Let's look in Matthew 16 together. Let's read. Let's start back in verse 13 again. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? Wasn't that an interesting question? You're going to walk up to Las Vegas or to New York or to wherever you think. Pick your poison, as they say, right? And this is the question that Jesus is going to ask. Hey, by the way, who do people say that I am? They replied, Some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. <laughs> By the way, uh, this next phrase just reminds me of what our church has learned. It's not just enough for us to echo back what other people have said. What does Jesus say? But what about you? Haven't we learned that as part of this church? It's one thing to talk about others. It's one thing to talk about the state of America. It's one thing to talk about the state of the church. But what about you and what about me? Jesus does this in this example. Thank you for telling me what other people have said. Now what about you? He asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man. You didn't just get this because you're smart. You didn't just get this because you've been hanging out with me. The very heavens have opened up and given you a revelation because it's been given to you by my Father in heaven. God Himself revealed this to you. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. It's pretty interesting since he's standing there at the place where their culture called the gates of Hades. I can tell you I was a little overwhelmed while I was there with, with our pastoral team. I've heard pastor teach on this passage before. I remembered it. When I saw the actual grotto there, I understood what it was and I was still overcome because I tried to put myself as these small fishermen who were going to this place and it wasn't just a hole in the wall, it was the very seat of something demonic. And his question was incredible to them. Who do you say that I am? Are, are you with me tonight? Yes, I'm trying to let it sit in for just a second. Who do you say that I am? And it took a divine revelation from God Himself for Peter to answer correctly. He says, You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. My Father has revealed this to you, and I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. He's not talking to Peter and saying, Peter, I'm going to build my church completely on you. Many... Uh, religious organizations masquerading as a church have said these things. They've said, see, he's talking to a man here. He's saying, you, Peter, we're, we're, play, we're having a, na- uh, a play on words because your name means rock, so I'm going to talk about the rock that I'm going to build my church on. We're not talking about the man that he's going to build the church on. We're talking about the revelation of the lordship of Jesus Christ is something that, how does Jesus say it here? On this rock I will build 
Oh, come on now. He didn't say, I'm gonna, on, this revelation, on this rock I'm going to build a church. He says, on this revelation, on this rock, I will build my church. It's mine. I own it. I rule it. I run it. This is my church. This is my body. It's not about being able to parent back what others have said. It's about getting a revelation of who Christ is. Unless you think I'm just talking about salvation only. Pastor, I mean, I mean for, as believers, we, we, you have to have this revelation, right, of who Christ is. Absolutely. But if that's all that it is, we're missing an important piece on this. Jesus the Christ says that He will build His church upon this revelation. He's deciding that He's going to put a cornerstone about who He is and the revelation that comes from who He is. It's amazing because like Peter, a man who can hear from heaven is worthy to be a living stone being built in the very house of God. A man who can hear from heaven becomes an offensive weapon in the hand of our God. The gates of hate, that the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Gates are a defensive thing. Gates are meant to keep others back. What God wants from us is that we get a revelation of who He is and we become an offensive weapon. And to others that may mean that we become an offensive weapon. But either way that you want to go about this, the idea here is that there has to be a revelation. What about you and I tonight? What kind of revelation do you have of Christ Jesus tonight? Do you have a revelation of Him as your Savior? Praise God. If you don't have that here in this place tonight, I'm praying that God reveal Himself to you in a special way. But then what? What kind of revelation do you need, Abimbola, to accomplish your will, to accomplish God's will in your life? What about you, Hannah? What kind of revelation do you have of Christ? Daniel, what kind of revelation do you walk around in a daily kind of way? Do we walk around as if, if, as if He's revealed anything to us in a daily fashion, David? Or do we say that we've got a revelation of who Christ is? Praise God, He's our Savior. Amen. What kind of revelation do you have? Because when you can hear from heaven and understand what heaven is speaking, you can become an offensive weapon in His hand. Let's turn to Joshua chapter 14. Joshua chapter 14. Man, I want us to get a revelation of who He is tonight. Do you need a better revelation of who Christ is tonight? I'm telling you that I do. I'm telling you that I want a deeper revelation of who Jesus Christ is in this place, in my heart, in my life tonight. Because you know what happens? Is it better be seen in my actions. What if we... What if we gave to you and assigned to you your revelation about Christ based on what we see and what we see only? Now what does your revelation look like? In Joshua chapter 14, let's start in verse 6. Say there when you're there. there. Now the men of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. And I brought him back a report. Everybody read the next few words with me. According to my convictions. First of all, before we even get into this much, don't y'all love Caleb in the Bible? 
Doesn't it just challenge you? Like, you just say the word Caleb, and you're like, oh. You start thinking about his wholeheartedness. You're not surprised that he brought back a report according to his convictions, are you? Everything you know about him, that's exactly what it should be. Can I tell you that I found something very interesting this afternoon? The NIV translates it according to my convictions. You know what the Hebrew words there are? Not according to my convictions, but according to the debar in my lieb. According to the word in my heart. I'm going to let that sit for just a second. Because you know what we have? We have God himself defining the word conviction for us. What is a conviction that you have? It's when God puts his word in your heart. It's when God causes you to have a revelation of his word and he puts it down and, and it gets down into your heart. You know what that does? That allows you to act according to your convictions. Come on. This, this is going to change how some of us live tonight. This is going to start working on us. It says, I'm not sure how to get convictions. Our church is always talking about convictions. I mean, pastor has convictions and, and, and our elders have convictions and some people seem to have them, but I don't really know how to get convictions. Maybe you need the word of the Lord to be revealed in your heart and that will cause you to act according to godly convictions. What happens when God's word, when his debar gets in our lead, when his word gets in our heart, it defines us by our convictions. Men who have convictions move us, don't they? Don't you just love somebody who's so passionate? You're like, what is it in your heart? If you have convictions and you see someone else with convictions, what do you do? You're like, yes, I know what that feels like. Man, that resonates inside of me. Let's do that. I don't even know what you're doing, but I'm for you. What happens if you don't have convictions in your heart? You look at that and go, God, I wish I could be that. Hey, in this place, before we leave tonight, I'm praying that God will put his debar in your leap. And that you will be able to begin to move with conviction in everything that you do. This is what we need in this place. We need to be reminded of the convictions of, our, of the God's word in our hearts so that there's something that stirs within us. Because you know what happens? You guys know that I, I used to be a music teacher. There's a resonance that starts happening. What is resonance? That means there's one thing that's vibrating at a certain frequency and others start to move at the same frequency. You know, you can get an entire building. There's resonance frequency in rooms. You can walk into a room or in a hallway in a mall, and sometimes if you speak correctly or if you find just that resonance, it'll act like it amplifies it, like, it, like we turned on a whole sound system just for that one note. Why? Because everything around starts to resonate at the same frequency. What happens when all of us start hearing the same kind of word from the Lord and it gets down in our heart. You know what happens? There's a resonance that starts to amplify. It's not just about what you're doing anymore. It starts to motivate someone else and they're like, yeah, yeah, I can start to move. I can feel that that's right. Why? I don't, I don't even have the same understanding that you do, but I, boy, there's something that begins to move on the inside of me. There are men and women in this, in this place that don't they move you? They speak and you're like, oh, when Chris is so full of joy, you know what it does in me? There's something that resonates like, yeah, I, got, I, I should be more full of joy because it resonates. Does it? Is that true or not? Yes. Yes. 
Isn't that easy to go? You're like, yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. When Justin Linton walks in with such joy and happiness, everybody's like, God, we like that guy. If you don't like Justin, then you need to come up and get saved. Uh, 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 for real. Why? Because you realize that there's something in him that starts, it's moving him, and he is so moved that it begins to move you in your heart. You know what I should be able to do? Is I should be able to use every name in this place and have characteristics, have revelation, have convictions that you carry out that move other people. Can I say that about everyone in the room? Are you a person that can move other people? Why? Because you have great skill? No. Because you have great intelligence. That clearly must be it. No. Because you have God's debar in your lieb, and it starts to move people. This is what we love about Caleb. Amen. This is what we love about him. He's wholehearted. And from his day, thousands of years ago, he's still resonating within us. Why? Because he lived according to his convictions, and they were driven by the very word of God. Yes. My God, help us tonight. What are your convictions like? Maybe you don't have enough convictions because you just don't have enough of God's Word in your heart. Maybe there's a not enough there that's moving that it resonates anywhere. If you're here tonight and you don't yet get, get our way of life, perhaps it's nothing more than the fact that you're trying to understand our actions and you haven't learned to be moved the same way that we're moved. Perhaps you're not resonating with us yet because you're on an entire differently, different frequency altogether. If you get the Word of God in your heart and I have the Word of God in my heart, you know what we do? It amplifies us. Now the truth is, is but pastor, are we all going to be the same? Of course not. You know what resonates inside of me? To try to equip and empower people. My profession before I got into pastoral work, was being a school teacher. You know what a school teacher does? Tries to equip and empower students. Why? Because that's what resonates within me. <laughs> We're not trying to get conformity. We're trying to get uh, a symbiotic, a, a symphony of people following their convictions and it resonating throughout our city, throughout our region, throughout the world. That is what we are creating. Whether you're going to go abroad or whether you're going to stay here and be a pillar, there still has to be a resonance that's there. There still has to be deep convictions that are set in our heart. My God, this is exactly what we need tonight. Let's turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 19. 2 Chronicles chapter 19. We talk a lot about our way of life around here. We do, don't we? Our way of life is nothing more than the collection of God's word that he's put in our hearts. It forms us. It shapes us. My words here tonight are not to try to discourage you. It's not to try to embitter you. It's not trying to bring you condemnation. What it's trying to do is saying, let us, let us yearn to have more of his word revealed in our hearts. Not an understanding that comes only from our minds, but a revelation that comes from the very heavens. That'll change what we do. 
How many, how many of you have come up to me? How many of you have come up to pastors and you're asking us about a question? Pastor, what should I do here? Oftentimes, what is our first response to you? Have you prayed about this? Cody, almost, it almost sounds like you know what we're going to say. <laughs> Have you heard from the heavens about this, or are you just throwing things out there? Now, now some of y'all are smiling because you, kn- you know this is true. How many of you have ever come up to one of the pastors or elders, and we've said, have you prayed about it, and you realize you didn't pray about it yet? Thank y'all for being honest. There's more of you that should raise your hand, but thank you for the ones that were honest. May God put his word in your heart. Amen. Isn't that amazing? We're believers. We had a revelation that Jesus is the Christ, but what the revelation needs to be is this ongoing word in our heart that causes us to act rightly, to act in a certain way that can resonate with the rest of the body. This is an important part for us, folks. We're just trying to remind you that you need to hear from the heavens. We can come up with an answer, but then that makes us where we're controlling you. We're dictating to you what needs to go on. What we're trying to do is teach you how to hear from the heavens and have that revelation and find the deep convictions that are driven by God's word and then we're all going to resonate rightly together anyway. Amen. In, in 2 Chronicles chapter 19, let's, let's go to verse 1. When Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, returned safely to his palace in Jerusalem, Jehu the seer... Whew, I love that. I'm glad there are people that God assigns who can see things. Jehu the prophet, the seer, the son of Hanai, went out to meet him and said to the king, listen to this, should you help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord? Ouch. There's a pretty stern rebuke. Because of this, the wrath of the Lord is upon you. What had happened? King Jehoshaphat had just partnered with Ahab. Wasn't supposed to. What Got himself in a bad situation. Look at verse 3. There is, however, some good in you. For you have rid the land of the Asherah poles and have set your heart on seeking God. Can I tell you again? NIV missed it here just a little bit. You know what the Hebrew says here? There is, however, some debar tovah. There is some word that is good inside of you. Doesn't even say word there, does it? It's in the Hebrew. Hey, you know what? Maybe you're here. And the truth is, is you've done some things that you shouldn't. Maybe you're here and they, you don't have all the convictions yet in the right place that we're encouraging you to do tonight. Maybe you're here and you haven't learned how to resonate with the people around you. You've been dissonant, disconnected, discontented, whatever it may be that has kept you from the right kind of and finding the right kind of convictions. You know what? Jehoshaphat was in the same place. But what can we find encouragement from in this? There is, however, some of that good word inside of you. Amen. I want to encourage you tonight. I want to, everybody say, Pastor wants to encourage me. I want to encourage you tonight. Man, if you've got some of this word, there's some of this revelation that's going on, some of it has sunken down and has become a conviction for you, amen. Let's continue in these convictions. Let's grow in the convictions that we have for the Lord, driven by His word. Look what it says here. There is, however, some good in you, for you have rid the land of Asherah poles and have set your heart on seeking God. God is not trying to bury us under our failures. He is trying to throw us a lifeline. 
Jehoshaphat, through his lack of convictions, sided with Ahab. You know what the truth is? Is when we make mistakes in our homes, in our parenting, with our wives, you know what the truth is? It's because we have lack of conviction. We have a lack of the revelation of God's Word in our heart or we wouldn't be doing it. We have the lack of conviction and it gets us in trouble every time. Every time in my life that I've ever gotten in trouble, it's because I had a lack of conviction. I knew what to do, but I just I didn't have the strength to do it. I knew what to do, but I got afraid. Yeah, it's because you have a lack of conviction. Jehoshaphat needed the Lord to help him. These verses that we just read were the rightful rebuke that he received. How many of you know that's a good thing to get rebuked? It's a good thing. Everybody say that. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. If you love the Lord, you, you should love being rebuked by a godly person. Amen. You should love being rebuked by the Word because that's what the Word is designed to do. Not only what it's designed to do, but that is part of what it's designed to do. Jehoshaphat's poor convictions led him into trouble and his meager convictions helped lead him out. Wait, wait, what? But look what he did. He needed the open rebuke to revive the convictions. Everybody say revive. Revive. Revive the convictions that he actually did have. Some of us here tonight need to be true to the convictions we have. Others need to be rebuked for the convictions we don't have. Either way, tonight is a night to get the cornerstone revelation of who Christ is and begin to operate in that in an everyday manner. Look at what Jehoshaphat did next. Let's look at verse 4. Are you there with me? Jehoshaphat lived in Jerusalem and he went out again among the people from Beersheba to the hill country of Ephraim and turned them back to the Lord, the God of their fathers. What do you do when you get rebuked? How do you handle it when you get rebuked? Do you sulk? Somebody challenges you and says, man, you need to step up. Do you go, I can't believe pastor said that. I'm going to go lick my wounds for the next three weeks. I'm going to go and, and, and say yes, but take a while and then kind of heal over the wounds that has been there. Or do you just get after it and go, you know what? God, thank you for that. You're right. I needed that. I'm going to step up. And I'm going to let the convictions that I do have. Ha ha, pastor, I actually do have them. I just needed the Lord to help me revive them. Amen. Some of us need to, be have, to have our convictions revived in this place. It's not that you haven't been here. It's not that the word of the Lord hasn't been revealed in your heart. You just kind of set it aside. You put yourself in the wrong place at the wrong time with the wrong people doing the wrong thing. And you're surprised that it worked out the way that it did. I'm here tonight to help you and allow the Lord to revive those convictions in you. That's good. You you sit there all you want. It's all right. Because what he did was he went out and he turned the people back to the Lord. What happened? What's going to happen when you start and you allow the convictions of the Lord to get revived in you? What problems in your life are going to turn around when you actually allow the debar that's in your leave to get revived? What is going to happen in your life? What problems are going to get fixed, Gabriel? Man, where are you going to be, Keith, when those things that you know that have been there and you think about it every once in a while, but you've allowed it to be something less than a conviction from God? He gave it to you as a conviction, but you've just, it's just on life support. 
Man, when God revives it, when God revived it in Jehoshaphat, who had done wrong, look what he did. Look what he did. He turned an entire nation back to God. What's going to turn around in your life tonight when you get your convictions revived in you? What's going to get fixed in your world? You're worried about your money problem? The, the problem isn't your money. The problem is your convictions have been wrong. They need to get revived in your heart. You think the problem is with you between your husband and wife? The problem is, is you've, you've strayed away from the convictions that are clearly outlined in the Word. You've allowed something else to be a standard in your life. And I'm telling you tonight, they need, the right convictions need to be revived in you. Amen. What, about, what about you sharing your faith? It's not just for the select few in here to share your faith. You know what, Philemon? Can you put Philemon verse 6 on the screen for me? Not Philippians, but Philemon. Yeah, there you go. There's only one chapter, so chapter 1, verse 6. I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith. Why? So that you will have a full understanding. Oh, wait. You're going to have a full revelation? which will allow you to have a full conviction of what he's got, of every good thing we have in Christ. Come on, folks. We all need to be sharing our faith. You know why? Because if you don't, you don't actually understand every good thing you have in Christ. You think you have a revelation of this Jesus that is the Christ, but you don't have a revelation until you start sharing your faith. I got, I got some head nodding, but it's... You, you understand what I'm saying to you? This is the Word of God. When that verse comes alive in your heart, you know what happens? Everything changes about it because you start operating with conviction. You start looking at the teller that's checking you out in the grocery store and something's different about it. You start thinking differently about those who are lost around you and you can't stand it. You've got to do something about it. This is not for those that we're sending away to other nations. This is for everyone in this room. Come on, what convictions need to be revived in you tonight? What are they? What convictions need to awaken inside of you and you actually start operating the way that you know that God has required of you in the past? Are you at your strongest point spiritually today? Are you at the apex of your spiritual walk? Are you operating more in obedience today than you ever have? Because if you're not, then you need to have convictions revived tonight. Wow. Let's go back to 2 Chronicles chapter 19. Verse 4 ends with a beautiful phrase, the God of our fathers. Amen. Fathers in the room. Are your children learning their convictions from you? Fathers in the room, your children are learning their convictions from you. Even if you had a poor father, even if you've been a poor father, Let's get a hold of the bar in our lead tonight. Let's set this word out. Let's set this rightly. Let's have a conviction about what God is speaking to us tonight. Let's turn our families back to the cornerstone of the revelation of who Christ is, of how to operate in this thing, so that we quit being on roller coaster rides in our families. We are super high today, and we are on the pits tomorrow. My friends, this cannot be the way. The Lord has called us. Say, the Lord has called us. He's called us to do too much to have a bunch of roller coaster families in this place. To have a bunch of roller coaster relationships. Wee, this is fun. Ah!
We're pastors. This is what we get. Pastor, my life is great. Ah, the bottom just dropped out. Really? Again today? This was yesterday. Like, can we? Am I being real with you or not? Okay. God of our fathers, man. Let's turn to Revelation chapter 14. Revelation chapter 14. Let's start in verse 1. It says this, Then I looked, and there before me was the Lamb, standing on Mount Zion, and with Him 144,000 who had His name and His Father's name written on their foreheads. You know what this world needs? It needs people who are so marked by the name of our Father, <laughs> the name of Jesus Christ. Yeah, you don't need to worry about taking the mark of the beast. You know why? Because we're going to be, we should be marked by the very name of heaven. There's no room for another mark. These people had been set aside. And I heard a sound from heaven like the roar of rushing waters and like loud peal of thunder. The sound I heard was like that of harpists playing their harp. Now, I don't have time to get in this. I'm going to have to figure this out. I have to be honest with you. I don't quite, I don't quite have this figured out yet. I've got a sound that sounds like rushing water, like a loud peal of thunder, and it sounds like harpists playing a harp. I think they had their amp up too loud, plugged it in, had it set up to an 11. I don't, I don't know what was going on there. But this is the description of heaven. Verse 3, And they sang a new song. Everybody say new song. New song. Woo. Before the throne and before the four living creatures and the elders. No one could learn the song. When you're marked from heaven, you're going to be able to do some things that other people can't do. You can learn. No one else could even learn the song except the 144,000 who had been redeemed from the earth. These are those who did not defile themselves with women, for they kept themselves pure. Now, wait a second. Now, we're talking end of days here, right? Revelation 14. You think that it's going to be easier than or harder than to live a pure life before the Lord? And yet these 144,000 had kept themselves pure. How do you think they kept themselves pure? They must have had some deep conviction. They must have had some revelation and had God's word in their heart and they were sealed because of it. How did they develop those convictions? Let's look at the, let's look at the next phrase. Uh, Starting again in verse 4. These are those who did not defile themselves with women for they kept themselves pure. They follow the Lamb wherever He goes. You want to understand how to start keeping yourself pure? You follow the Lamb wherever He goes. You allow that revelation to be alive in your heart. They were purchased from among men and offered as first fruits to God and the Lamb. No lie was found in their mouths. Goodness gracious. No lie was found in their mouths. They are blameless. Just in case you thought it was just in one area that they did a good job. These 144,000 were considered blameless. But how did they do it? <laughs> you want to know how to keep yourself pure from sexual immorality? You follow the Lamb wherever He goes. You stay away from it. How do you keep yourself from financial ruin? You stay away from the things that cause it. 
How do you keep your life free from addictions? You don't go near it. Amen. You're too busy following the Lamb. Amen. It's time for us to have some convictions. It's time for us to get away from this worldly thinking that, you know, the truth is, is we're all sinners and we're all going to... There's an acceptable amount of sin that we can have in our life. How about you walk around with this goal that you're blameless? Amen. That you've kept yourself pure, that there is no lie found on your lips. You know how we can do that? We follow the Lamb wherever He goes. We allow the revelation, the bedrock of who He is to be alive in us, to give us convictions that cause our actions to please our Heavenly Father. Man, we need to have some convictions. I need to have some convictions, Nolan. You need to have some convictions. Let's revisit Jehoshaphat for just a minute. He got in trouble because he was with someone he shouldn't have been with in a place that he shouldn't have been, doing something that he shouldn't have done. Does that sound like any time you've ever been in trouble? How about it sounds like every time you've ever been in trouble? Right, this is you know, deep theology, right? No, this is human, this is life. You get in trouble when you're with people you shouldn't be with, doing things you shouldn't be doing, and in places that you shouldn't be. But when he got his convictions straight, the whole nation turned around. By this time, we should all be hearing the debar in our lieb that is reinforcing the same conviction that Peter had, the same convictions that Caleb exhibited, the same convictions that Jehoshaphat had to have revived within him. Are you you feeling the stirring of your convictions tonight? Are you feeling it tonight? Are there things that are popping into your heart, into your mind, that you know that, golly, you know what, I've let that, that conviction needs to be revived. You know, praying with my family on a regular basis. That used to be a real conviction. But now I've let it kind of die. Tonight is the night to have it revived. Amen. Your own personal study in the Word, like your life depended on it, because, oh yeah, it does. That conviction needs to be deepened tonight. Those specific things that God has said to you and your family, and for a while it was the most important thing to you, you had it written on your mirror, you were acting on it, and somehow it just went away. God's Word didn't go away. Your execution of God's Word in your life just kind of waned. It just kind of tapered. It just kind of slowed. Whatever phrase you want to put on it, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Are you just going to let it stay that way? You have till now. But tonight is a night that we can have those things revived in us. Amen? Amen. Let's turn to Deuteronomy chapter 30. (laughs) Because I have some good news for you. I have some good news for you. Deuteronomy chapter 30. Let's look in verse 11. You there? It says this, Now what I am commanding you today is not too difficult for you. Everybody say, not too difficult. difficult. Isn't that one of the lies that the enemy tries to say about these kind of things? You feel inspired in the moment. You're ready to to rush down to an altar or jump to your feet and raise your hands or whatever it is that you want to do. And what happens tomorrow? Yeah, this is just too difficult. What does the Word of God say? Now, what I'm commanding you today is not too difficult. 
So when that lie pops in your head, you know what you're supposed to do? You're supposed to take that thought captive, run back to the Word, let the revelation of His debar be in your lead, and act rightly. This is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. It is not up in heaven so that you have to ask, who will ascend into heaven to get it and proclaim it to me so that we can obey it? Nor is it beyond the sea so that you have to ask, who will cross the sea to get it and proclaim it to us so we may obey it? No, the Word is very near you. The Debar is near you. It is in your... And in your... Huh. The Word that's in your mouth and in your heart. Why? So that you may obey it. So you can feel good about the revelation? No, so you can do what God's telling you to do. God, what a simple thought, isn't it? We've been talking about the Debar in your leave, in your heart. What's the connection with your mouth? Isn't the, isn't the Scripture very clear on the connection between our heart and our mouth? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth does what? Jesus. Huh. So if we have His Debar operating in our leave, if we have His Word operating in our heart, you know what happens? You begin to speak rightly about God. Amen. Some of us need to start speaking about the convictions we have. You know why we don't? Because we're afraid. We're going to put ourselves on the hook and we will fail again. And but Stop it. God put the Word near you. He put it in your mouth and in your heart. Why? So that as you're speaking about it, it's reinforcing it. It's actually acting as an act of faith because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So if you have the Word of God in your heart and you begin speaking the Word of God, what are you doing? You're increasing your own faith. You're stepping up and going, you know what? Even if I'm like Jehoshaphat, I'm going to to turn this thing around. I've been like him. I've messed up. I've been in the wrong places. I'm going to turn this around. You know why? Because the Lord rightly rebuked me, and now I can operate rightly with what he's asked me to do. Why? Because it's not too hard for me. It is not too difficult. It is not. No matter what the enemy tries to lie to you about, it's not too difficult for you. It's not too difficult for me. You know what the enemy's been trying to do to us collectively? Trying to steal our confidence. Trying to let the difficulties of today forget about the promises that God has made to us. Trying to let your failures, your arguments, your difficulties, your financial stress, whatever it is, He is trying to shake you to your core. He's trying to shake you around so that you forget what the convictions are that are supposed to be making you. Convictions will definitely make a man. When the Word of God is revealed in your heart and you act like it, It will make you. For some of you, you have these thoughts of what you want to be in Christ. And you even go home and you weep at night because that's what you want to be, but you see your failures. I'm telling you that this is not too difficult for you. It is not beyond your reach because the Lord, is He put His Word near to you. He's put it in your mouth and He's put it in your heart so that you can obey it. My God, what can we not do if we all lived like the verses that we preach? Amen. I'm so, one of my favorite ministries in our church is the prison ministry. Amen. And there are men and women who are in this room who preach a lot better than what you're living. We preach better than our actual convictions. I'm going I'm to I'm encourage you like Jehoshaphat today. We'll just call that we're preaching with the men and women that we want to be. And we're going to turn it around. 
It's not acceptable. We're not lowering the standard. I'm trying to throw you a lifeline tonight. I'm trying to say, you can do this. This is something that is within your grasp to be able to do because when his word is revealed in your heart, it's got to impact the way that you act. Turn to 1 John chapter 5 with me. 1 John chapter 5. We're going to read a few verses and we're going to wrap it up. I'm reminded Peter's at one point speaking with Jesus. <laughs> you guys want to desert me too? Where are we going to go? You have the words of life. You have the words that get down into my heart and they give me the convictions. They make me be the man that I've always desired to be. The things that sometimes we hope for and we wish for, we just think are going to happen by magic. They don't happen by magic. They happen by you operating in your convictions. In 1 John chapter 5, let me get there. Verse 1. Are you there? Everyone. Everybody say everyone. Who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. <laughs> like Peter, right? Who, who do men say, who do you say that I am? Well, you're the Christ. In God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God by loving God and carrying out his commands. I love the Bible. Love equals obey. It gives us a formula. If you love him, you will obey. This is love for God to obey his commands. Look at this next phrase. His commands are not burdensome. Amen. You know what happens when you allow God's word to get down in your heart rightly? You don't go through life with drudgery. You don't go through uh, making this a difficult, oh, I've got to serve the Lord again today. No, there's, there's got to be direction in our life, not drudgery. Man, there, when, you're, when you're doing this rightly and you're walking in His convictions, you get joy, not jealousy. You get to move rightly with the Lord. This is not going to be a drudgery for you. What happens in Nehemiah? It says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. I can tell you every time when I'm, when I'm feeling weak, I promise you it's because my joy is low. I've somehow let something get in my way and I've forgotten that His commands are not burdensome. I'm doing something and I've made it more difficult than it is. I'm going to do this because I have the revelation and it gives me the joy and He gives me the strength because His commands are not burdensome. Look what it says. For everyone, everybody say everyone. everyone. Born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Do you see how Peter became an offensive weapon here? He had the revelation. He had the conviction of who Christ was. This passage even gives it to us in a broader way. It wasn't only Peter that becomes an offensive weapon. But by this revelation and conviction of who Jesus Christ is, it says that everyone with the same revelation, everyone with this conviction will overcome the world. Everyone. Each and every person. No exemptions whatsoever. 
If you believe, if this has been revealed in your heart, if the Word of God is in you and it's active and it's alive on the inside of you, then you are destined to overcome. How about we start living like some overcomers? This is not some pie in the sky. We forget that we actually have struggles. I'm saying that we become people who so operate based on the convictions from God's Word. Man, this place becomes a symphony of overcomers. A symphony of joy and life and strength. How was your day today? Man, it was difficult, but I'm overcoming. Why? Because I've got his convictions and I will stand, I will run, I will jump, I will do whatever it takes because I'm not going to back down, I'm not going to shut up, I'm not going to back up. This is, we're going to go forward and we're going to get this done because his word is in my heart and it is immutable. Unchanging. You see this? Matthew 16. Who do you say that I am? You're the Son of God. You're God Himself. Upon this revelation, I'll build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. It will not be stronger. It will not prevail. One last verse. Let's turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Let's look at verse 4. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that He has chosen you. (laughs) Yeah, I, I I could preach on that for a while. We know, brothers, loved by God, that He has chosen you. So many folks in this room live like He hasn't actually chosen us. Oh, He's chosen some. I mean, He's chosen, he's chosen the select few in here. That's easy to see. But what about poor little me? Stop it. We know, brothers, loved by God, that He has chosen you. Do you know how I know that He's chosen you? Let's see what the Scripture continues to say. Because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. I want you to be revived tonight in your convictions. I want us to resonate differently than we have before. I want you to take a look at the problems in your life and realize that it's because you've gotten away from the things that the Lord has revealed to you. What should our prayers be tonight? God, revive us in our convictions. God, give us more revelation. I don't want to just know who you were as my Savior sometime in the distant past. I want to know you today. I want to be made, I want to know you. I want to know the power of that you have, Lord. I realize that that that's going to take suffering like Philippians 3 says. I understand these things, but I need to have a revelation of who you are. Not in my brain. You guys understand that I'm not talking about you just looking through the Word and deciding that the number 5 means grace. That is a beautiful revelation. I'm talking about having His Word come alive and how you're supposed to live 
day by day by day. How you're supposed to discipline your kids. How you're supposed to move and interact at work. What you're supposed to do. The direction for your life. We need to have some conviction in this place. Because it will transform us. Would you stand to your feet with me tonight?